Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my main man and co-host, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, brother? I'm feeling the energy in the room tonight, Foltz. Feels good. Feels good. We got a lot of uh, exciting things in the works, so we're going to be riding that high. Me and Steve, uh, if you've been following the podcast, have been working on uh, launching and uh, performing some live shows. So within the last week or so, we've been checking out some venues, meeting with some owners, talking about possibly being a house act, uh, and uh, checking out and doing shows at some other venues and possibly doing some uh, themed weekends at one of the venues. So uh, really exciting time. We got some fun things coming up. Really cool to get out there and uh, check these places out too. Yeah, me and Steve... We, as much as we enjoy doing the show, we want to get out there and we want to meet some of you guys and we want to interact with you. We want you to be able to hear the show and be able to see us too. And and uh, our live shows are really interactive with the crowd. So that's what we're really looking forward to is is, is meeting y'all. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different atmosphere uh, when you get to share the experience with us as as we are in person and and we get to experience you all as well so we're looking forward to it yeah so of course we'll we'll let everybody know as uh as venues and shows become more solidified and uh we'll keep you all posted so looking for a good turnout yeah so if you're in one of the areas where we're doing a show we'd love to see you we'd love to meet you and uh just have a good time but uh, so yeah. So having said that, uh, we have a, a really, really interesting show tonight. In our opinion, we hope that uh, when we're all said and done, you feel the same way. Um, came across a really interesting documentary uh, quite a while ago. So this this podcast has been in the wheelhouse for a while, but it just seems appropriate now, um, just because we're, we're feeling the vibe and. Uh, if uh, if you've never heard this story, it's it's a really interesting one. Um, I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm just going to get right into it. Bizarre claims that the U.S. Special Ops killed a 12-foot Afghan red-haired biblical giant. U.S. Special Forces once killed a 12-foot red-haired biblical giant in Afghanistan, according to some online sources. Rumors have been circulating for years that the American military killed a creature which was three times the size of a normal man. The beast was supposedly shot dead after taking multiple hits in the Kandahar region when troops were looking for a missing patrol. Now, this outlandish claim, which has been denied by the U.S. administration, has recently resurfaced on social media. It was first featured in a YouTube documentary produced by filmmaker and blogger L.A. Marzulli that was released two years ago. So that's that's the the documentary that I was referring to. So, wow, two years that it's been released. That's how long that this has been in our wheelhouse. Now, two self-proclaimed ex-special op soldiers recalled the encounter with a supposed mythical monster. They alleged that the giant killing was common knowledge among fellow troops, but no one could speak publicly. 
One soldier described the giant as three times the size of a man and had extra digits on his hand and feet, and he swung a huge blade. The other soldier said it was a man at least 12 to 15 feet high. This was a monster with a red beard, and his hair was longest, past his shoulders. And Dan runs at him, starts shooting, which broke all of us into reality because it was so surreal. The soldiers claim Dan was killed by a blow from a sword before the giant was killed following multiple hits. Allegedly, the 1,100-pound carcass was airlifted away in a cargo net by a helicopter, and all those involved were forced to sign non-disclosure agreements as the strange firefight was supposedly covered up. L.A. Mazzulli is convinced the creature was a manifestation of the Nephilim, which is described in the book of Genesis as offspring of the gods and humans. Now, Snopes found that the only surviving soldier called Dan, who was killed that year in the war, torn country, died with three others in an accident clearing explosives. Now, what me and Steve were talking about in pre-show when we were going over this information, <clears throat> anybody that's... Uh, <clears throat> knows anybody that's in special forces or anything of that nature. Typically, if you're doing something or you're in some country where you're not supposed to be doing some operation and and you're killed in action, nobody's going to find out what really happened. It's always going to be referred to as a training accident. Right. There were, you know, the plane went down in a training op off the coast of Saudi Arabia or or right. some 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 uh you know, some distant land, they always say there was a training op that went wrong. There was an explosion or something of that nature. Um, but, but it's not, it's just a cover story. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I think it leads Snopes leads more credibility they were able to track down a guy who died during that time frame, And just because it was, what was it going to say? He was killed while being attacked by a, uh, a man that's or three times the size of a man with extra digits on his hand, and he swung a huge blade, and he was 12 to 15 feet high. It would freak everybody out. It definitely would. Now, the U.S. Department of Defense has no incidents in which military casualties are listed involving a giant. Obviously. The tallest man ever, Robert Wadlow, was 8 feet 11 inches when he died at age 22 in 1940. <clears throat> Very interesting that that's the tallest guy but <clears throat> you gotta post the the video that you showed me. Yeah, I definitely will. I'll put it out on uh on this on our social media platforms. There's a I was showing Steve in pre-show. There's this video, and it looks like it was probably taken probably around the turn of the century, maybe in like I don't know the twenties. Yeah, it looked like twenties, thirties, <clears throat> something like that. Twenties, thirties, and it looks like it was shot somewhere in Asia. But this guy's walking down the street with more normal size people and he's like he has the regalia on like a sumo wrestler but the difference is this dude looks about 15 feet tall i mean when you see the people next to him they just look like children yeah and it's not necessarily that it's just the height it's the bulk and the mass too it's just like neck it's what you would picture when someone says a giant so i mean with everything that you know, with in religion and fables and stories that are passed down, there's always some truth into them. So that's why we always have to keep an open mind going into this. But uh, 
I highly, I highly suggest um, after listening to this is, is tracking down that documentary because the information is definitely going to coincide with exactly what we're talking about tonight, and uh, you have a, a fresh perspective. So, uh, Steve, you want to you wanna kick off some more about the Giant of Kandahar? So the Giant of Kandahar was an enormous humanoid creature allegedly encountered and killed by a group of American soldiers on a mountainside in Afghanistan. Said to have stood around 13 feet in height and weighing in excess of 1,000 pounds, the Giant of Kandahar had a shock of bright hair that was colored red and a beard of the same color. It had six digits on each hand and foot, a double row of teeth, dressed in a ragged animal skin, and wielded an enormous spear. After a routine patrol, the U.S. infantrymen went missing somewhere outside the city of Kandahar in 2002. A squad of special forces operatives were dispatched to search for them. Coming across a mountainside cave, the soldiers found piles of cracked human bones and shattered military equipment. While they were investigating the debris, the giant erupted from the cave mouth and speared one of the soldiers, killing him instantly. The remaining men were subsequently able to kill the beast with massed gunfire, although they had great difficulty in doing so. In the aftermath, the body of the giant was whisked off by an unknown agency in a helicopter. Its current whereabouts are unknown. What's crazy? Let's just stop there for a second. Now, think these guys. You probably weren't completely briefed. You just know you're going to find these these lost soldiers. So you're giving the orders. You're giving these coordinates. They're like, just look out. And they start coming through this trail or the open mouth of a cave and... Well, I don't want to give too much away because we're getting to that. But just imagine seeing, like they said, it, it took him a second to snap back into reality when the one guy was, you know, started firing off his weapon. Yeah, I think you would be in complete shock. You don't even know what you're shooting at. Like you, this massive thing that's moving. You'd be like, "Is this real?" I don't know. It would be, it would be baffling. Well, that's why we got to get to the bottom of it. It would be for sure. The giant of Kandahar was speculated by some to have been one of the biblical Nephilim, as it possessed several of the traits commonly associated with these beings, such as the red hair, the six fingers, and the dual row of teeth. That's pretty incredible. I mean, that's coming from multiple sources, and then, but to match up with what the Bible's talking about with the Nephilim. So, one would have to ask, now, we don't... I don't like to talk about religion too much because everyone's beliefs are whatever they are and we support everything and all beliefs. But I have to question if if you follow the Bible, you know, word for word and or in your own interpretation and you and you take it as truth, well wouldn't you assume then that these Nephilim did walk the earth? at one point that it shouldn't be that surprising because wouldn't it be reminiscent of the story of David versus Goliath? The Bible story. I mean, he killed a giant a hundred percent for sure. So, I mean, they got to coincide in some fashion. Now there's a man named Stephen Quayle who he spoke of an occurrence. It's still classified by the U S government on his popular radio show, coast to coast. The events allegedly happened in 2002 on a desert part of Afghanistan when U.S. Army squad went missing. A special ops task force was sent out to find out what happened 
and the soldiers walked along ragged mountainous trail until arriving at the entrance of a large, large cave. Pieces of broken U.S. military equipment and gear were scattered all around the clearing. The task force was about to enter the cave to explore <clears throat> when a 13-foot, red-headed, six-digit, double-tooth humanoid emerged and attacked them. Now, according to the witness, <clears throat> the giant pierced one of the soldiers with his long spear before killing him, before the rest of the squad could take him down, shooting at his face for 30 seconds straight. Now, if you're familiar with firearms, and you're familiar with an M4 or just a uh, just your, your your typical AR-15, shooting at anything for 30 seconds. So let's let's just assume you had they had fully automatic weapons. You're going to go through a magazine of 30 rounds in under three seconds. So imagine for 30 that would have been like 30 mags, right? Each. Yeah, I'm sure those guys weren't just stopping when their mag ran out. They were replacing You mag. see something like that. You're firing until you yell, I'm out, I would right. think. You, you shoot until you don't have any bullets left. Yeah. Now, the body of the giant was packed and loaded into a helicopter and transferred to a secret location in the USA for study. Based on Quayle's story, L.A. Marzulli succeeded in identifying and interviewing one of the members of the task force who actually saw and shot the giant of Kandahar, as the event became to be known. The soldier said that his squad, one searching the cave, had come around a gigantic humanoid with thick red beard and long hair of the same color. Inside the cave were remains of human bones, leading the military to think that the creature was a cannibal. One of the soldiers was impaled by the weapon the giant wielded, a kind of long spear or lance during the 30-second shootout it took to kill, the, to kill the creature. According to the witness, the USG didn't disclose the event and has no intention to do it in the future because giants don't match with, any, with anything we can explain in our world. The giant weighed 500 kilograms. An estimated by the C-130 cargo plane team who transported the body from the pickup location in the United States. The witness remembers that one of the pilots noted a terrible stench of musk and dirt exuding from the cadaver like a, like a man who didn't shower for 10 years. The witness told Marzulli that the odor was more intense than that of a skunk and close to the pile of decomposing corpses. Now, what you'd have to remember... <clears throat> This took place in Afghanistan. So if this creature was living out there, it was probably longer than 10 years since he's been bathed. Because how often is it raining out there in the desert? Right. And if it's it's a, a cave-dwelling creature, there there's chance that it, it could have never bathed or didn't know enough to ever think to bathe. Right. It's just, it'd be interesting to know, like, does it speak? But yeah. I guess it doesn't care to find out if we can speak. I mean, probably the only thing that's ever been witnessed with from modern day man is hostility. So it's, it's first instinct. Immediately attack. And not only that, I mean, if he's three times the size of us and he's in the desert of Afghanistan, he might be tired of eating lizards and, you know, snakes. A human being would be a great snack, I guess. Jeez. Now the giant, he wore a canvas or animal hide to protect his feet like some sort of moccasins. We searched online and retrieved the original interview. The witness talks detail about the encounter with this huge being, which had occurred in a remote area near Kandahar, Afghanistan. 
Marzulli calls the witness the shooter due to his active involvement in the Giants' killing and claims to have interviewed him three times on the phone and at different times to check for discrepancies of his story. Having found none, eventually was convinced that the event was real and decided to meet the military in person. The meeting occurred in an undisclosed location. Coincidentally, on one of his trips to meet the shooter, Marzulli found out that his driver was a former military who had served in Afghanistan a few years later, the event he was investigating, and that he knew about it. This news witness code named Mr. D was interviewed by Marzulli in the documentary series Watchers X and said this, When we came back to the base, we would hear our car colleagues talk about a unit that had found and killed a person inside of the entrance of a cave. At first, I didn't think much of it, but then I heard that the fellow's size was three times that of a human being and that he had more fingers and toes than a normal man, and that he had red hair and that a special unit was looking for him. As the documentary rolls on, Marzulli shows an iron tip weighing about six kilograms, which attached to a pole to make a spear would be difficult to maneuver for a middle-sized man. The tip was found in Michigan and given to an Indian chief on the reservation. But is it the same object that the shooter claims to have seen in the hands of the giant of Kandahar during the attack? The same iron tip that killed his colleague in the video, the shooter is called Mr. K and is introduced just as a worker. He confirmed that he was serving in Afghanistan in 2002 and that his unit had been called for rescuing mission of another unit which had gone missing in the remote area of that country. So remote, he says, that he had to get there via air with a 4km or 4km distance flight. Now, Mr. K's unit is deployed on a crest of a plateau, which was marked as one of the checkpoints where the missing unit should have reported his position. Since they left the base, the soldiers were wondering, well, what could have happened to that unit? They thought of an ambush, but that sounded weird because even in that case, there was always time to send a message to the base. In this case, no stress call had arrived and no signal had been sent out. So this rescue unit is on the ground searching for tracks, and while descending a slope, they see a trail. They follow it. After a curve, they see a large entrance of a cave surrounded by rocks, which is another weird thing according to Mr. K. He doesn't elaborate on that, though. Several cracked bones were found among the rocks, but no identification from their observation point was possible. However, together with the bones, shattered pieces of radio communication devices and U.S. military equipment, we are clearly visible. The unit's first thought was gain for ambush hypothesis or the attack of a wild animal. It could be anything at this point. The entrance of the cave had a clearing large enough to host the unit. However, the soldiers were standing at a lower level and a vertical wall of rock separated them from this clearing. The soldiers distanced themselves, assuming the anti-ambush stance when something leapt out of the cave at a speed that caught the task force by surprise. It was a human being at least 12, most likely 13 feet tall. It was a monster, says Mr. K. Red beard, scarlet red long hair covering his shoulders. And Dan, one of the soldiers, runs toward him firing his weapon. And then all of us came back to reality because the scene was so surreal. From this moment on, just the military training that saved the squad. And all memories come from pure adrenaline. While Dan keeps running against the giant, another soldier opened fire, soon followed by, quote unquote, the shooter. 
The video reenactment shows that the giant leaps onto and clearing and pierces Dan with his weapon. Holding him in the air at midpoint of the spear goes through the soldier's whole body. Yeah, on the documentary they were talking about that they went into a little bit more depth than that. They said that the acrobatics of this giant, like it could jump in the air and do flips, and it was so fast that they didn't even realize what was happening, and that's what basically why they were caught in this trance. They were just like, they just saw somebody get killed, but they were still just like, what is going on? I mean, if that cave is that being's home, then it can jump around there because it knows that area like the back of its hand. Oh, yeah. Think about like your backyard growing up and stuff, and there was little little things that made it unique, maybe like a little high higher area that you would jump off of. Yeah. You would do it a million times. Right. So that thing probably had done that so many times, jumped around and flipped around and... Oh, it was absolutely! Just practicing for when people did come there. I just push pause on some of my thoughts. Is what Mister K had to say because of how tragic the event was. I literally would have to pause my thoughts to even get a rational thought going. At this time, the giant keeps advancing towards the squad without any logical reason. Each soldier thinks about the same thing. Shoot him in the face! Shoot him in the face! They yelled at each other. The unit carried an M4 submachine gun, 308 recon carbine sniper rifle, and a 50 BMG Barrett semi-automatic rifle. The sequence of events dilutes the time frame, but as the witness points out, it all happened in 30 seconds. 30 seconds were still a lot to kill someone. The giant, although hit by several bullets, kept on fighting. Marzulli throws in parts from the George Norrie's popular radio show, Coast to Coast AM, which put on record the testimony of the C-130 USAF pilot who brought the giant corpse to America. The creature weighs 1,100 pounds, and it's between 10 to 15 feet tall. It was killed by multiple gunfire shots. It seems in a cave in Afghanistan. Before dying, it attacked our men and could have also killed someone. It was a very, very bizarre story. It sounds like the tale of the Nephilim, straight from the Bible. And we must assume that the giant must not be alone. It can't be the only living one on the planet. There must be others somewhere out there. Maybe he had a mate or children. Who knows? It was unfortunate that the giant attacked our soldiers instead of having a peaceful approach. But I guess that such region... A reaction had to do with the territory. Well, I would agree with that. That was like what we were discussing just a couple minutes ago. What what else would it know? You know, so just attack. Yeah. So you want to go, Steve? In his show, Nori asks the pilot how many men were in the transport team inside the C one thirty, and the pilot says six men. When he caught sight of the cadaver, whose face was destroyed by bullets. The pilot noted that the giant had six fingers, a height of about 12 feet, and a net weight of about 1,200 pounds. At this point, Marzulli goes back to Mr. K's account. He remembers that when it was all done, the giant had lied dead on the ground. They checked Dan, but he was already dead. Why this had to happen, the military asked, still in shock. Before leaving the area, the nine line that is, the request for evacuation and medical assistance had already been sent out. But suddenly, the task force receives a new code, and a helicopter shows up, rising vertically from the ravine below 
the clearing. It doesn't arrive from the sky and discharges some hauling nets. The orders are to secure the giant inside the nets. After that, another large helicopter arrives. The Chinook choppers have enough power to fly at a medium altitude, and only the largest crafts can fly over the mountains in that area. It was possible to move the giant off the grounds by hand. No, it was impossible. It was impossible to move the giant off the ground by hands. It was too big, and it had a terrible stench, worse than a skunk, like a cadaver who had remained outside for a while. It's disgusting. Yeah, I mean, if you know what it smells like when, like, like, like around in Pennsylvania, when a deer gets hit by a car, but it, it can't be seen and it just sits in the summer sun, that smell of death. But you got to figure, look, this guy, he obviously, from what it sounds like, is eating people. So he's probably got blood and whatever remnants and, I mean, the size of this guy. If he's living in that cave and he's using the bathroom in that cave. Oh, yeah. If he's three times the size of another man. Well, I digress. (laughs) Go ahead. So when the helicopter took off with the net hooked up underneath it, the signal was then sent out to the headquarters that a large potentially human creature was on its way how did you feel after the dramatic encounter anger obviously for my dead companion but not only that in their final report the soldiers are ordered to lie to tweak the order of the events in accordance to what their superiors told them so marzuli asked mr k to describe the giant one more time and he said it had six digits on his hands It had six digits on its feet, and its fingernails were weird because they had some fungi-like bulky things on them, and the edges were irregular. The special unit is placed inside the Chinook chopper, and the two crafts go back to the base for a debriefing. On that occasion, the soldiers are ordered to sign a paper in which they committed to not disclosing any details about the event, on top of falsifying the final report. The reason why the shooter decided to break the silence is because he believes that the people have the right to know what is happening on our planet. It's crazy. Well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, but I mean, this this probably goes up as high as the classification as a as like magic clearance because this has to fall because if we're not aware of the giants living on this planet. Well, then to us, I mean, it seemed like that that would fall into the same baffling amazing of seeing an extraterrestrial. And if you could breed them, they would be the military's best weapon. Well, that's why originally they probably sent them out. They probably want this thing captured. So, I mean. That would be a warrior. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, as fantastic as this story may sound, the testimony matches with the one Quail had presented a few years back. Marzoli asks Mr. D, the former special ops soldier who had heard about the giant of Kandahar when he was in Afghanistan, whether he believes that the American people and the people in general had to have the right to know if there are beings other than humans living on the earth. And Mr. D replies without hesitation, my idea is that if things go exactly as the Bible says, they don't want it. If things go against Darwin's evolution, It can't be spoken. Mr. D stresses how the story of the giant of Kandahar was something that all military personnel knew about and took them as something that really happened. 
When Mr. D went back to the U.S. after his service in Afghanistan ended, he met other military who had served elsewhere. Yet, if I told them about the Giant of Kandahar, everyone had heard about it. Let's see. So, I mean, that that was not being as compartmentalized as, as they would want it to be. No, those guys were talking about that one. Yeah, which, I mean, it's a good thing because let's just assume right now, I mean, I'm a believer because of the research that, that we have done, but let's just assume that this is 100% accurate. So, if that would be the case, well, then you would have to ask yourself what everything that I've ever learned has got to be wrong. Because, you know, you're told as a kid, oh, what are you playing make-believe? Yeah, we're, we're pretending that we're giants. Oh, okay. Or, like, even somewhere in the world of unicorns. I mean, that's probably got to be something that happened at some point, too. I mean, they don't just create things out of, out of thin air. I mean, stories are passed down through generation based on the verbiage that they have to tell these stories at the time. And I'm sorry to say, I mean, if, if, it's, if these stories are good enough for the good book, and we hold that as our good book in this country. Well, then you got to take it as that it's the truth. Uh, I mean, that's just how I see it. I mean, not everybody has to feel that way. But I mean, if 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 you're if you're a Christian and you and you believe in the teachings of the Bible, well, then you have to believe that there were giants at some time. They're referred to it. Now, in the beginning, you would think it must be a joke, a hoax. But when things start to go down a certain way, when you keep hearing about the story, you realize it's not a joke. They kept on telling us to point our weapons up high. Normally, this means two shots in the body and one in the head. But they told us to point them always to the head of a man and then a little higher. And we wondered why they wanted us to shoot above a man's head. Marzulli asked him to confirm the time in which the flight with the giant allegedly happened. It was 2002. Mr. D was serving in Afghanistan in 2005. It, if one has to make up a story for some unknown reason, why creating a creature identical to the Nephilim as described in the Bible? Why going down the road that the USG avoids in order to keep the people from knowing? Mr. D said that such a fake story wouldn't make any sense. During his active service in Afghanistan, he witnessed things that he has never been able to explain, such as lights in the sky during the shooting, and orbs or tennis ball-sized shaped spheres which flew around making strange sounds. The man had similar experiences in Iraq as well, near the Hadaf Dam area, when he was on duty in the underground prisons below the dam. He tells how the prisoners kept on screaming about a terrible feeling that haunted the place. Later, Mr. D read the Bible and learned that an angel had been chained in that very place along the Euphrates River, specifically in the book of Revelations 914-15, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, and the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. Rumor had it that soldiers detained in the damn prison were scared to death, and all, all they screamed was that they could, they could hear them. Even the guards drew straws to choose who would have to go down there to get them. Nobody wanted to go down there. Back to Afghanistan, Mr. D adds that rumors upon the existence of giants came also from the locals, 
They talked about cannibal monsters dwelling inside caves. So the soldiers compared those stories to the American Bigfoot. But I bet you that day that those guys really saw it. I mean, if you're talking to the locals and they're ta- and they're telling you the things that they see, I mean, I guess it might be kind of hard, but I don't know. In the way that I think, I mean, anything's possible and we basically know nothing. Well, I mean, the locals are telling the story of the giant, but then the U.S. military soldiers actually go there and, and have that contact with them. That's the crazy part. So if they're teaching these these soldiers to shoot higher above a man's head, so they're obviously getting ready to be, be able to shoot at the giant's head. Right. Or like even like, or like higher in his chest or just trying to take him down. Now, so they have three different witnesses who don't know one another. Quail's witness and Marzulli's Mr. K and Mr. D reported the same event. The giant of Kandahar was a true event. Mr. D had no idea that the shooter, a.k.a. Mr. K, would have been interviewed. The most interesting thing about him is the type of training he was given in case of a firefight inside the cave. The background for that training was that the Afghani rebels hid in the caves and that if a shootout occurred in there, the U.S. military had to point their weapon above the head of an adult male. After firing the first bullet at head level, who were or are the Nephilim? Well, we'll get into that right now. The Nephilim and the historical evidence. Now, Landudno, Northern Wales, is a coastal village with a very old copper mine. The area is located at 220 meters above the Irish Sea level, and it's known as the place for the Great Ormay Copper Mine. More than 2,500 hammers have been found inside this mine, all dating back to the Bronze Age, which is about 3,500 years ago. It is believed that the tunnels inside the mine are several kilometers long, although only six have been explored so far. It is known with certainty that there exist nine subterranean levels and more than 1,700 tons of copper have been extracted. An incredible feat if we think that the community of that time didn't have any technological tools to do it, at least not the same machinery we have today. I was talking to Steve in pre-show when we were talking about this part where they mentioned uh, the nine subterranean levels. It took me back to the episode that we did on S4. Very similar to, uh, and, and that of, um, uh, that we did on, uh, oh, where, where they went down in the caves. What was the, I forget what we entitled that show. Um, but one of, it was one of the top secret facilities and, but they all seem to have like nine different layers for some reason. It's interesting. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Now the heaviest hammer men use today weigh about nine kilograms but the most used are 4.5 kilograms. Now let's imagine to a large a nine kilogram hammer of 300% and we could obtain a tool of 27 kilograms, which to be maneuvered should consist in a handle of close to three meters and a metal head as big as a cylinder block. Such a tool, but also bigger one weighing 30 kilograms was found at the Orme mine by some archeologists. To put it in the right perspective, a man capable or just lift up a hammer of that size, let alone use it, would have to be between 13 to 16 feet tall or three times an adult male of today. 
that's incredible because why would there be hammers that big found if there's no tools i mean we're, we're gonna have to post a lot of pictures out here on social media along with that <clears throat> that video clip because there's there's archaeological digs that have been found that you can see just by doing a google search you put an archaeologist in giant bones i mean there's heads some of them look like they're the size of like a like a volkswagen beetle i mean it's crazy so the bible in the genesis refers to a race of giants who at the time lived on earth their origin is unclear perhaps the son of the fallen angels and the daughters of man the nephilim the sumerian as well as the egyptians based reliefs beliefs show remarkable evidence of enormous human beings who interact with smaller men there are differences between the two races for the Sumerian giant has six fingers. In order to control the, the two additional digits, a brain should have a different structure, either larger or more complex, or both. All would indicate that those giants should have possessed a peculiar intelligence. Now, the very megalithic structures scattered all over the world, from South America, Peru, to Egypt, the Middle East the British Isles, the Pacific Ocean and Easter Island will be clues to support the theory that a race of giants actually existed on Earth in the ancient past. That could help support a lot of the how the pyramids were built. So if you don't buy into the story that it was extraterrestrials, kind of like the episode we did on the Book of Enoch, using anti-gravity to move those 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 humongous rocks that built the pyramids that came from 300 miles away or something. Well, then the only other alternative, I guess would be the Nephilim or giants to be able to lift them, but still they'd have to carry them 300 miles, right? And maybe 300 miles isn't 300 miles to them. If they're three times the size, it'd be about a hundred miles. Plus, I mean, if there's a, a race of Nephilim, the, the entire race would be lifting them together. Well, yeah, this is true. A slave race of giants. I mean, it's, it's probably, I mean, our government probably has one or more contained somewhere. I'm sure they have examples of them. Yeah. Well, yeah, keep going. Bob. North America has a peculiar trait insofar as the prehistoric cultures are concerned. An element called UPT, or unique physical type, it is a series of giant humanoid skeletons with hyperextended cranium, extra dental structure, double or even triple rows of teeth directly found inside the tombs or cemeteries of the Adiba Hopewell. Archaic cultures and complicated rituals of the Southeast. It is common nowadays for the alternative history researchers to tell how these beings were found between the 19th and 20th centuries. Historians, antiquarians, and archaeologists have collected data all over the United States, even though the largest concentration of the UPT remains are in the Ohio River Valley and along the Mississippi River. There are many cases which bear evidence of this. From written records which are still available within the municipalities and counties and cities to internal and external studies carried out by the Smithsonian Institute. Well, there you have it. So you could, I guess, near the Ohio River Valley, 
you could go into your local municipality and your county and your city and you could basically pull up written records that of, of larger than normal human right remains. now yeah i mean you're going to get some people that are you know larger in size i mean you look at nba players but yeah they're tall but they're not filled out like these giants are i mean these giants look like like andre the giant but bigger right way way bigger um now in may of 1841 in franklin kentucky several skeletons are dug out from a farm's field one of them outstanding dimensions at least twice the size of an adult male joe davies county illinois a series of burial mounds are opened after years of excavations and a pit is found at the center that had to be dug out 77 centimeters below the original ground level the bones found in the pit prolonged to a race of giant stature the skeleton had been buried in a sitting position with its legs stretched forward to the center. Kanawaha Valley, West Virginia, the skeleton of a man at least eight feet tall is found. After the USG takeover of American archaeology in 1900, the academic world drew a clear political line of total denial for the existence of such anomalies. And this policy seems to work up to these days as the episode of the giant Kandahar shows. The race of giant or Nephilim is the first race mentioned in the book of Genesis. The origin of the word Nephilim is defined as giants, but some translated as those who have fallen. The earliest versions of the Bible, however, indicate Nephilim as giants. The Nephilim's nature is further complicated by the ambiguous definition found in the book of Genesis 6-4. There are indeed two different interpretations upon the origin of this race. The first, the Nephilim would be Seth's offering. The 4Q417 fragment from the Quran scrolls contains the most ancient known mention of the children of Seth, claiming that God condemned them for their rebellion. Other earlier references of Seth's offspring, which rebelled against God and mated with the daughters of Cain, are in the writings of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, Augustine Hippo, Julius Africanus, and in the letters attributed to St. Clement. Even the modern Aramaic Orthodox Bible prevents, presents the same interpretation. Now the second, the Nephilim would be angels' offspring. A good number of ancient documents refer to the Nephilim as the sons of the heaven, or angels. The scrolls of the Dead Sea, the Book of Enoch, the Giaz manuscripts, and the modern version of the Old Testament, to name a few. Some Christians, apologetics such as the Tertullian and Lactanius, were of the same opinion about the Nephilim. They were convinced that they were angelic beings who mated with humans. The Genesis describes the, the sons of God, male of divine nature, having intercourse with daughters of men, females of human nature. From this, it seems evident that the sons of God were seen as supernatural beings. How about that? I mean, it kills me the two different versions um seth's offering or seth's offspring mm -hmm. and the angel's offspring and it just goes back to the translations of the ancient texts and the interpretations yeah i mean when they refer to the book of enoch when the catholic church found out about about the book of enoch it was immediately removed and would never be part of the bible because it basically contradicts then other portions of the Bible. Right. So, I mean, there's a, I'm sure, 
I don't mean to offend anybody when I say this, but you also have to do. You also have to remember that that religions are a business, and if they weren't run as a business, then they wouldn't seek out tax exemption. So sometimes you have to do what's best to protect or protect your business. You know, for a lack of a better way of saying it, I apologize. Don't mean to offend, but just all things need to be considered sometimes. And, and I loved your point about uh, David versus Goliath. I mean, there's giants. The, throughout the Bible, there's giants throughout our own uh, stories, the stories we tell our children. And a lot of the things that we tell our children, they seem whimsical as we get older, but a lot of them are based out of truth. And well, and the, and the, the powers that be, that's probably what they're counting on. They're hoping on, okay, well, these are, these are stories of children as they get older. They're not going to believe this kind of stuff. But, you know, I hate having to, to, to always bring it back to religion. But you have to understand, there's some things that you can read in the Bible or in the Koran or with, with any religion. You're just like, that seems like, I don't know. I mean, what, what, does it not seem like it would, it would fall in the same realm as giants or extraterrestrials? I mean, some of the things you, be, you have to have faith that these things happened. Not necessarily do you have to believe, but... Well, I guess faith is, is is belief with, you know, just blind following. But uh, I don't know. Don't have all the answers. That's why we do this podcast, though, because we're trying to get to them. But uh, I'm a firm believer. I think that that really went down in Kandahar, Afghanistan. What do you think, Steve? I think so, too, man. I think that there was some strange stuff happening, and it was a remote area, uh, an area that may have not been visited for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we're still sending troops over to Afghanistan. I mean, there was troops sent as recent as today. There were Chinooks leaving out of a, what do you call it, Uh, right by us. The, uh, Fort, Fort Indian, Indian Town Gap. Yeah, yeah, there was troops deployed today. So who knows? Are we still fighting, quote, unquote, the rebels or are we trying to infiltrate capture exploit kill giants for the own good of the u.s military and or to keep the world in this secret because who knows what would happen if the world was found out about these giants yeah and it's probably the same thing if you saw a mother ship come floating in from above i would think especially the special ops guys when those guys start talking about some of the stuff that they've seen is is amazing. Certainly. And, I mean, and, of course, they have to keep their cover because if you sign a non-disclosure agreement or you're under a, a, a order of a top secret, that top secret's going to hold for at least 25 years. But, man, they, they want to get their story out. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't think I could function in a daily situation with having that type of knowledge in my head like similar to like Bob Lazar, like the stuff that he he when he worked at S four, he said he came forward because he just didn't feel that the people shouldn't know that this type of things exist. It's just mind blowing, mind bending, and it's just wrong to keep it covered and hidden up. What would happen so badly if they came forward and they were like, look, look what we found in Afghanistan? This huge guy. If the media would cover it correctly and not be so subjective or try and say it's the end of the world and that or that we need to go to war with these things. Right. And I mean that the the one that they found was a, a singular case, um, which I, I think that, that was reported on because but there was other guys that were killed. It, I, th- I think it would have been cool as like a specimen 
to to bring back and kind of do some scientific studies, bone density studies, uh, things of that nature, and and kind of display what what it was. I'd love to see actual footage or pictures of it. I think that'd be amazing. But you you know that's not going to happen. But even if it would, I mean, there's some pictures and some hardcore videos that are out online that I believe are of extra actual extraterrestrial leaked footage i mean it just it looks it but it, it as real as anything looks you're always gonna have somebody out there be like oh nice fake job that looks fake right y- you can't please everybody so why even try but at least disclose the information to us so that we can make the decision on what we believe and we don't need you telling us what is what what to believe what's true what's false just give us the information. Who are you to keep it from us? Are we not the same? Are we not flesh and blood? Oh, because you have a higher position in the military. You get to know. And, ridiculous. And force everyone to sign uh, non-disclosures. That's the worst part. Oh, yeah. But and, these but these eyewitness accounts are, are kind of the way that we get around that. Absolutely. And, you know, thank goodness that these these guys at least had the bravery to come forward and tell the story. But the most incredible thing is it's three different reports from three different guys that didn't know they came forward and all stories matched. And they interviewed them over three years trying to catch them in their stories. No, they're going to slip up. They never faltered. Right. When you don't falter, you're telling the truth. So that's a wrap on the giant of Kandahar. I love it, man. And you know what? If there's other eyewitnesses out there, if if you have a story, if something strange happened to you uh, and you don't think that anyone else is going to believe it, give us a chance. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get you. If you're close to us, we'll get you in the studio. If not, we'll get you on the phone. We'll do an interview. We'll highlight it. We want to hear the story. Uh, uh, we know that we're reaching people with our podcast all around the world. So, if you're out there and you have an amazing story, we want to believe you. We want to hear it. We want to cover it right here on Subtle Beast and uh, just get the information out there. That's what we need to do. Everyone's being too tight-lipped. That's why there's so many secrets. Let's share it. And uh, if you want to do the show but you don't necessarily want to give your name, we can give you like a Mr. K. Yeah. Some, you can come up with your own name if you even like. But we just want the information out there. So with that... Steve, I had a great time tonight. Wonderful time, folks. Check us out, subtlebeast.com. Yeah, check us out on all multi or on uh, all social media platforms and uh, our, share our podcast with your friends and family. Let's help this discussion grow. Let's get this podcast bigger. And we're really excited about coming to a town near you and meeting you all and doing some live shows. And until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. We'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.